need to be better. It's unacceptable. Everyone's accountable. We're very, very unhappy. Welcome, Rinkrats, to Season 3, Episode 2 of Rink.com's Blackhawks Rinkcast, recorded from the luxurious Vivid Seats Studio. John, did you figure out what the Vivid, Ste- Vivid Seats Studio really is? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm camped out in the <laughs> Vivid Seats Studio. Well, it, uh, we are in the Vivid Seats, Vivid Seats Studio, and we are brought to you by Overtime Media Podcast Network. Your sport, your team, on your time. And as always, we are brought to you by our founding sponsors at puckhockey.com. That's P-U-C-K-H-C-K-Y.com. Check out their new lines. They have a brand new line that just came out yesterday. I was really stoked about it. It's the Anthrax line. I did some work for Anthrax back in the early 2000s. I know Charlie's from, he lives in Chicago in the north suburbs. Uh, They have some Chicago ties. But Anthrax uh, has been, you know, a a kind of a favorite of mine. you know, they got a lot of good stuff, so check out the Anthrax line. They have a, like, Blackhawks-themed Anthrax hockey jersey, which is really cool. You know, it's the Blackhawks colors, so uh, get over there. Get yourself some Anthrax wear now, or you can get some Opeth or uh, whatever, you know, Megadeth, whatever you want to get. But uh, go over there, check out their new lines, throw some rink wear in your cart, too. Use the discount code THERINK, T-H-E-R-I-N-K, for 10% off of all your orders, and... Uh, yeah, so check out uh, puckhockey.com. So, today is Friday, October 11th, 2019. I am your host, Jeff Osborne, better known on the Twitterverse as Puck and Hostel. My name is Jeff. It's Hefe, man. Who could be scared of a Jeffrey? Yeah, Jeffrey's just this nice bloke from down the road, isn't he? <laughs> and yes, I am joined by two co-hosts today, but first of all, my partner in crime, Mr. John Jekyll. Hello, sir. Hello, and allow me to take this moment to say that if you use the promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app, you save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. Oh, look at that. You're like a professional. Figure it out. (laughs) Enjoy a lot less. (laughs) Nailed it! Cool. And also, we have Mr. Ray Napiantek. Napiantek. Um, he didn't get to join us for the uh, the prospect piece, and he worked hard on that as well. So I wanted to, you know, get Ray in here, and we could talk some Blackhawks stuff, and uh, he could give it. He might actually be able to talk some uh, Chicago Steel because he is our Chicago Steel expert. So uh, hello, Ray. How are you? Good. Glad to be here talking about the zero and two Blackhawks and the possibly the undefeated Chicago Steel. So good there to be here. Go. Cool. Awesome. You'll notice I got the new soundboard working. So more sounds. For the people who uh, hate the sounds, uh, ooh, yeah, yeah, um, I'm gonna have to go ahead and sort of disagree with you there. <laughs> so, yeah, more sounds. Feel free to uh, email me or message me and let me know any more sounds you want me to put in there or sounds you don't like. So, uh, we like this to be a, we like this to be a little bit interactive. So, anyway. Um, Blackhawks. Uh, yesterday they had a game. We're going to talk about that a little a little later in the show. But uh, we didn't get to come on. John and I were both busy traveling. Uh, I was getting married. You were doing work stuff. And uh, so we didn't get to really talk about the opening game of the season over in Prague, which was, 
I think it was a whole lot of nonsense. Uh, I wrote that in my recap. I just, uh, you know, them going over there and all these, you know, video blogs or vlogs with all these players doing all this stuff. And then they went over there and they just laid an egg. And it was just, it's, it was unneeded noise and nonsense around a team that, you know, was kind of struggling to find their identity. So anyway, the Blackhawks, yeah. uh, they lost the snooze fest in Prague. Crawford was just okay. Uh, Alex Nylander scored the first Blackhawks goal of the season, which, you know, if you remember uh, from previous years, like, uh, you know, Brandon Bolig scoring, you know, the first goal of the year or something like that. Um, it, it was kind of unexpected, but, uh, and uh, Dennis Gilbert had a, like a horrible turnover that led to the first Flyers goal, but he did recover. He had a better game. I don't, I don't have any hate for uh, Dennis Gilbert. I kind of actually like what I've seen of him. And then Travis Konechny, uh he actually, he had two goals and he kind of put on a little bit of a clinic, but the Blackhawks then had a week off and then they had the game yesterday. So, um, start with you, Ray, what did you think of what the, the Prague stuff or you got anything, any, any points on that? I think it's neat that they're trying to grow the game, but it's just a horrible thing for fans, horrible things for teams to sit there and, and wait six days. When you come back, you get out there early and you're trying to get things settled in do we get there early enough our body clocks we've all been there we've all traveled it's tough going from the east coast to the west coast let alone uh seven hours ahead of time and yeah it just has a forced feel to it as well i i think if you know if you did an anonymous uh, poll i don't think that's going to do really well uh, with nhl players so the games itself it almost felt like it was an exhibition you know you almost didn't seem like a, a, a you know an opener to the season, so it had a spring training feel to it, I guess, for the lack of better terms. But um, I, I, I just I could do without it. I completely agree. I thought that uh, it felt like a preseason, you know, like the last preseason game to me. Um, it just it was at one o'clock in the afternoon on a Friday. Everybody's at work. Like I don't know. It, it's clearly for the European fans are trying to grow the game in Europe and trying to get, you know, fans out to games there. Cause it's certainly not doing any good for the NHL in the U S or Canada. Right. Right. So, John, what do you think? I, I agree. And it, you know, first of all, the first observation that it felt like one more exhibition game, it did. And that's, I, you know, I don't, I just don't think that's a good idea um, in terms of starting the season off on the right note. And that said, I mean, I had the unique perspective of actually traveling back from Hungary to the Eastern time zone um, uh, the day that the Hawks played in Berlin. And, uh, man, you know, now naturally I'm older <laughs> than no. players by, by many, many years. But, man, I was complete. That's the that's the longest distance in terms of time zones I've ever flown. It was uh, six time zones. Um, so the Hawks were going back seven time zones to the central time zone and I was wrecked. I was wrecked for like five days. So, you know, while, you know, Gary Bettman and the marketing, uh, powers at the NHL may feel like that this is good for the game and, and expanding the game. Um, although I'd really be interested to hear the logistics and the mechanics of, of that. Um, I, I just feel like it's, it's, it's almost like the, the league owes the Hawks one for this because it's, they go over there, um, they they lose, <laughs> and then they come back, and there's probably some lingering fatigue. You know, because the other thing is, aside from just what it does to your sleep patterns, is it it can be hard on your body to fly that distance too. You know, and these are guys who are you know just coming out of playing an NHL hockey game. So, um, 
I just, to, you know, as a Hawk fan and as a hockey fan in general, I just don't, it just doesn't do much for me. And frankly, I, I think that it, it hurts the team more than it helps. I, yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I, someone made a good point and it might've been powers or Laz or something like that, but they just basically last year, uh, Jeremy Colleton didn't get a training camp at all. And then this training camp this year was kind of cut short because they had to travel, you know, over to Germany first. And then the Prague. So they didn't, you're not getting a quality training camp. You're doing a lot of traveling. There's a lot of, you know, riding buses and getting on planes and moving equipment and all this, you know, and all the other nonsense that's getting, you know, thrown into the mix as well. And uh, they didn't play good against the German team. Uh, they, they squeaked out with a win, but I mean, it, it was not impressive at all. Uh, basically, they were playing, you know, an in, in AHL team, and the AHL team was pretty much keeping up with them. Yeah. And, and then, uh, you know, then they go over and they play <clears> Philly, <throat> and they make Philly look like world beaters. And Philly just jumps out and just climbs all over them, and uh, that doesn't look good either. It's I, I'm not a big fan of that. Like, I think, like you said, you think, you know, maybe the league owes them one or something, owes the Blackhawks one. I think that Bettman and all the, you know, higher ups in the league think that giving the Blackhawks a week off and then giving them a seven game home homestand uh, after this, this, that whole nonsense over there is, you know, basically evening up what they have to make good. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Definitely the time off. I mean, um, you know, they say that you really need um, a day per hour of uh, time zone adjustment, you know, in terms of, you know, dealing with jet lag. So that, that would, that would be a week. So, yeah. you know, that, I'm not using that as an excuse for how the Hawks played last night either. I think that they, you know, clearly had enough time to get ready, et cetera. It's just, it's just disruptive. Yeah. Yeah. I That's agree. And, and you and I have both traveled overseas this year and dealt with, you know, jet lag. We don't, we don't play NHL hockey, but we had to deal with, you know, the jet lag and I'll, and I'll be honest, but when I went to the UK, the jet lag really didn't hurt me that much on the way back. It, it has in other on other trips, but just this time it didn't. But when I went to Vegas and spent five days in Vegas, that jet lag hit me and lasted. You know, it was only two hours difference. That jet lag hit me when I came back, yeah. and uh, it, it took me four days to to really get myself back into gear for a two hour time change. So, yeah. well, when you when you travel like that, <clears throat> you know, when you travel five, six, seven hours, uh, time zone adjustment. If you're there long enough, your body is going to adjust. Your, you know, biological clock is going to adjust to that to that place where you are. And then when you come back, uh, you know, then you've got to you've got you have to readjust. And I mean, when I got back from Hungary, I was waking up every morning at two or three a.m. and wide awake, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and yeah. then I had to go to work, so and I was a complete zombie. So again, no excuse. I mean, the Hawks had ample time to adjust, et cetera. I'm sure they did. They're young men. <clears throat> however you know again it's just it's stupid <laughs> yeah so well the game itself was you know it, it was what it was uh a lot of people missed it i don't know how many people actually really watched it i was able to but i know a lot of our staff was having a hard time because they have real jobs and uh not that i don't right. have a real job but you know i just w- had the access to be able to watch the game and it, it just was it was uninspiring and yeah, and then they they kind of lay an egg and they and they walk out there and they they're flat and then we have a week to sit on this game and it was just not good. Uh, 
No. You know, and they uh, they did send Dennis Gilbert back right after the game, which was kind of expected because, uh, you know, Murphy and uh, DeHaan were both hurt. And uh, so they, they tried Dennis Gilbert out, and, and I think he was headed back to, to Rockford anyway. Um, and then in kind of a uh, surprise move, uh, when they tried to send Carl Dahlstrom down to Rockford, he was plucked off of waivers by Winnipeg. Now, Carl Dahl- Dahlstrom is not going to fix this team, but he is a big physical defenseman uh, that can play in his, you know, that can be physical in his own end, clear out the front of the net. And um, that's something the Blackhawks don't have a lot of. And now they have one less of <laughs> in the system. So, you know, good on Winnipeg because that's what they needed with this whole Bufflin, uh, you know, saga that's going on. No one yeah. knows what's going to happen. And I think we kind of, we may have talked about this in the last podcast that like, you know, basically four of their, four or five of their defensemen that they finished the season with last year are gone. Yeah. Now they all, they, you know, they got Neil Pionk <clears throat> is their first defenseman. Uh, ben Shiro gone, which, you know, Ray, <laughs> Ray and I are fans of, of, of Shiro or Shiro, whatever. Absolutely. Absolutely I am. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, Truba's gone. You could say what you want about Truba. Truba's a pretty good defenseman, good young defenseman. Um, you know, so they were hurting. Uh, I, I, you know, I guess I shouldn't have been surprised that they picked Dahlstrom off of waivers. But uh, there hasn't, you know, there were other players out there that could have been useful that could have been picked off of waivers, like Hosang or you know, players like that uh, that weren't picked off of waivers. So uh, you know, you never know. I mean, as far as Dahlstrom, um, I just feel like I got a sense that he's that his arc of his career is going to be kind of like Klaus Dahlbeck, you know, and remember when the Hawks dealt Klaus Dahlbeck, um, I believe it was 2015, everybody's like, Oh, you're giving up this great young prospect. He's always oh, everything. And, you know, I, th- I heard some people calling him the next Jalmerson, et cetera. And, you know, he goes to Arizona and he's a number seven D man for there for a while. I don't even know if he's still in the league. And, and then he uh, went to Carolina. He got moved over to Carolina too. Yeah, so I, I I don't know Dahlstrom. He had moments, but he had moments where he looked okay, solid defensively on a team where nobody could play solid defense for you know last year for the Hawks. And um, I don't know. I it, I didn't lose. I didn't lose it a minute of sleep over over them losing him. No, I mean, I mean yeah. I mean I, I I'm still much more upset about losing Yoki Haro over over Dahlstrom. Yeah, I mean Dahlstrom yeah. was kind of just. It was a numbers game. Uh, you got yeah. Ray, Ray. You got anything about Dahlstrom? Uh, same thoughts. Uh, I think losing him is not a big deal. Seventh, eighth guy. You know, confusing right. size with the ability to use it. Um, right is, is right. something that you know. Hey, you still got to be able to use it. I mean, he was just a guy that that was not a big issue. No, no, no sleep lost. No, he's bigger. Basically, just a bigger Slater Cuckoo. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, actually, Slater Cuckoo is going to be one of the stars of my breakdown of the Sharks game-winning goal last night. So um, <laughs> Cuckoo did his job. He's like the only guy who did. Cuckoo, cuckoo. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not the biggest Slater Cuckoo fan. He just is what he is. But uh, yeah. Right, right. All right, well, there's no no need to, you know, completely go over that, that prog game again. So what we're going to do, um, we're going to take a little bit of a break. Uh, we're going to turn it over to Mario Tarabasi. He's going to do his War Pigs report. It was a big hit last year, so we're going to continue it, 
continue on with it this year. He's going to tell you all about the Rockford Ice Hogs and what they're doing and uh, how their season's beginning and how you know Coach King's doing down there. Uh, commercial, like I said, a commercial break into the War Pigs report. We'll come and we'll talk about uh, tomorrow, uh, yesterday's game, sorry, last night's game. Uh, and uh, uh, we have a couple of thoughts. You want to break down uh, the game-winning goal. Uh, I have a couple of uh, talking points about some players. I want to know what everyone thinks. And uh, so we should have some good dialogue. We'll do some questions and then we'll get out of here. So uh, on to the break. Finding the right pros for home projects can be tough and spark a lot of questions like, how do I find a pro who can help? Will they do a good job? Will I get a fair price? That's where HomeAdvisor can help. From leaky faucets to major remodels, HomeAdvisor connects you to the right pro for the job in seconds and even helps you get a fair price. Read reviews, check project cost guides, and book appointments. Go to HomeAdvisor.com or download the free HomeAdvisor app to start your next project. Hey guys, thanks for having me on for the first War Pigs report of the 2019-2020 season. Uh, Rockford Ice Hawks have a lot of uh, intrigue and excitement coming into this year. Um, you know, coming off of last year, a little bit of a disappointing uh, finish, uh, missing the postseason after a really successful 2018 postseason run. Uh, but they come back this year. A lot of uh, new young talent coming into the to the team. Uh, I think they have about 10 first-year pros uh, on the roster, so um, a lot of new faces coming in. And um, One returning face is Christopher Stieg. He was named captain uh, this year. He's coming back on a, on a one-year deal. I'm um, going to be the, the veteran presence in that locker room and um, going to be a guy that I think uh, is going to be interesting to, to, to keep an eye on because you know he's he's going to be the the leader of the group um, going to be showing a lot of a lot of young players uh, the ropes of the professional game but also I, I think he's going to be able to be relied on a lot by um, head coach Derek King and putting him into a lot of different situations to try and you know spark offense and um, you know be a be a point producer for the team um, the Ice Hogs they dropped their opening game of the year uh, last week, they were on the road against the Iowa Wild, falling 3-2 in that one. Uh, they have their home opener Saturday night, 6 o'clock start at the BMO Harris Bank Center in Rockford. They take on the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, Grand Rapids is another team that has a lot of uh, young rookie talent to, uh, to, to keep your eye on. Uh, Detroit Red Wings are going full tank mode and are really just... Uh, stashing away all their young up-and-coming talent in Grand Rapids so um, the matchup on Saturday night should be uh, should be a fun one to watch uh, a couple guys I'll I'll mention uh, here for the first time on on, on the podcast uh, as guys to keep your eye on obviously Adam Boquist is, is going to be one of the main figures for the Ice Hogs um, whether it's two months or a full season or anywhere in between of how much time he's going to spend in Rockford that remains to be seen but he's going to be a guy that's going to generate a lot of buzz both on and off the ice um, he's one of the top two prospects in the Blackhawks system and um, out of those two guys he's the only one playing right now um, you know he's going to be a guy that is going to generate a lot of offense um, but the most in- intriguing part of his development is going to be how he develops defensively um head coach Derek king has made uh, a point 
not only for Boquist, but for all the, the first-year pros, um, to get the junior or get the college out of these players. Uh, basically saying that you know these guys need to learn that the pro game is bigger, faster, stronger, you know, things you could get away with in, in juniors and in college, you can't get away with at this level. So, you know, we've seen with Boquist, he's a guy who likes to, you know, freewheel from time to time. I think one of the biggest things for him is learning when to do it and when to, you know, kind of kind of reel it back um, in the right in the right spots. Um, if he can do that, I think he's going to be a really well well rounded player. And you know, that's the focus for the for this ice hogs uh coaching staff is to make sure that boquist turns into you know a a stalwart defenseman and a a guy who's going to be able to produce from the blue line for the blackhawks for you know years to come um other than other than him uh a guy like brandon hagel uh, impressed this summer i think he's gonna be you know a a point producer up front for the ice hogs uh philip kurashev also uh gonna be able to um put up some numbers for the ice hogs i think those two guys are probably going to be near the top of uh the team's scoring if not the the top two rookie scorers um defensively uh nicholas bodan uh he's another one of the rookies that's that's going to be uh interesting to keep an eye on um you know he was he was kind of paired with boquist uh in over the summer to be the the defenseman to his uh you know, freewheeling offensive presence. Uh, Bodan was thrown in to be kind of, you know, the, the safety valve. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how he gets used uh, with the Ice Hogs. And, and their their defensive group is is, is pretty impressive um, top to bottom. I mean, you have you have Boquist, you have Bodan. You also have Chad Chris, technically uh, still a rookie, um, you know, only playing a handful of games last year. Uh, but he'll be a guy that, that plays a lot of minutes. Um, and you have Dennis Gilbert. Uh, who really took a step from you know second half of last year uh, to to the start of this year? He seems like a completely different player, and it's uh, it's been fun to watch his development from being just you know a, a defensive guy who threw his body weight around to a guy who still does that, but also can can move the puck and um, you know be be relied on at both ends of the ice. So. Uh, he's he's an intriguing prospect to, to keep an eye on. I think the Blackhawks are going to keep a close eye on him uh, as well this season in Rockford. And uh, one more, I'll give you one more, uh, Matthew Highmore. Um, I think he's poised for a, a bounce back year. You know, last year he got off to a hot start, but was derailed by injury. Um, I think if he avoids that injury and and the surgery that ended up coming with it, it was a shoulder injury. Um, if he if he would have avoided that, I think there was a really good chance he was going to be end up uh, in Chicago for the majority of last year playing in the NHL. Um, I hope he has a bounce back year. I think he has a lot of uh, a lot of tools that you know a, a player uh, can bring to the table that Chicago needs in maybe in a bottom six role. Um, you know he 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 can play hard on the forecheck, play both ways, um, can kill penalties. He's going to do a lot of that for for Rockford. He's going to play in all situations. Um, and in in his rookie year, you know he set the Ice Hogs AHL franchise rookie scoring record. Um, so that's something to keep an eye on. I think I think Highmore can bounce back. I hope he can stay healthy, and I think he's going to be you know someone that is relied on uh, in a leadership role and also as a as a key figure uh, for this Rockford team. So I'll leave it at that, try and keep it as, uh, as short as I can because 
Uh, you guys know I can talk for hours about this, but uh, I'll throw it back to you guys. I'm looking forward to the start of the year. Thanks, Mario, for the Warpigs report. Um, a lot of good stuff going down there. A lot of good prospects. Adam Boquist. Uh, Kirby Doc will not be down there because he has to go back to the CHL if, the, if when, should be when, the Blackhawks decide, or when he's healthy enough and the Blackhawks uh, decide to make a move because I don't think uh, him staying around is going to make any difference and I think it would hurt him more than it would help him. So uh, that's my opinion. But we can talk about that a little bit later. Anyway, Blackhawks, last night, they lost 5-4 uh, to a team that they shouldn't have, <laughs> the Sharks, who were winless. Uh, they were struggling. They pulled a player, an old player, off the scrap heap to come out and play on their first line, who then comes out and scores two goals against the Blackhawks. Uh, Corey Crawford looked, he didn't look great, uh, but he didn't look terrible. He was just okay. Uh, he was a little slow on a couple of them, but two of them were power play goals, which another thing is the power, uh, the penalty kill was awful again. They're right back to being off on the penalty kill. I mean, they, <laughs> I think they gave up a penalty kill. They gave up a goal on the power play like nine seconds into it. There's just no fight on their penalty kill right now. Um, the, the, the good, the, uh, sorry. The good, the good thing is that uh, Dominic Kubalik scored his first NHL goal. He looked pretty good. He looked like you know he could be a guy that can you know sniff out the puck around the net. He likes to shoot, that's for sure. I, I, uh, which is what I was hoping is he was going to shoot the same way he did here in the NHL as he did over in Europe last year. And it kind of seems like the guy really likes to shoot. So uh, Andrew Shaw had two goals. Which got you know that whipped the fans into frenzy, but then he was you know with his usual nonsense. Uh, Strom had a nice goal where uh, you know him and Kane played kind of tic tac toe. That's nice to see. Uh, Nealander, uh, he is a very polarizing character. Uh, you know he starts on the first line with playing with all the players, and and then Colleton basically pulls a Joel Quenville and uh, moves him down to practically the fourth line by the end of the game. I don't know that he was doing anything great, but I don't think he was doing anything that was necessarily terrible that warranted him going from the first line to the basically uh, not even playing at all because Patrick Kane was double shifting by the end of the game. Um, I, at this point, I don't know what we're going to get out of him. And then there's always Gus, and we're, we are the Gus haters. And at this point, I'm just going to embrace it because watching... Eric Gustafson play half of his shifts below the opponent's goal line mm -hmm. is infuriating. Watching, you know, players like Alex DeBrinkett have to come back and cover him for him constantly while Eric Gustafson's surfing around below the opponent's goal line, you know, turning the puck over or making bad passes because he thinks he's he thinks he's Bobby Orr is just gonna get it's gonna piss me off really quick. I, I they should have got rid of him when he was at his highest this summer got something for him, let Boquist, because I'll tell you right now, Boquist can't be any worse. Right. right. He could, he, he could, he's better offensively, actually, than, than Eric Gustafson, and he can't be any worse on defense at this point in time. I mean, if you're going to have him up in the A, if you're going to have Boquist in the AHL, you might as well just have him in the NHL for, for Gus. He's cheap, right. he's young, he can get, uh, you know, experience. Uh, I'm, the more and more I'm this goes on. I'm going to counterpoint. I'm going to go ahead. No, yeah, that's fine. I mean, just the more the, the, 
you drag on this Gus stuff. It's just getting infuriating. And, and it's going to get to a point where the fans are going to be calling for an extension. And oh, jeez. Yeah, and it's going to happen. It's going to happen soon. Uh, like yesterday, sure. yesterday on the, uh, and I know I'm ranting here, but yesterday on the broadcast, or maybe it was on Twitter, where I see, you know, like uh, Laz saying something about, well, you know, Eric Gustafson in two games has got three assists. He's got two secondary assists. They're junk assists. And he's given up, and yesterday he gave up the most, or in the in the first two games, outside of Taze and Kane, which forwards and high danger chances against are, you know, that's a little bit of a wonky stat. But outside of Taze and Kane, Eric Gustafson Eric is on defense for the most high danger chances already. And he did the same thing last year. Yeah. Like he's not getting any better. I don't want to hear this right. nonsense horse shit that he worked on his defense all year and whatever. Um, I mean, as far as the game goes, this is what I have to say. And I come here and find you playing hee-haw with the fuck-around game. That's what I felt like watching that game yesterday. John, what do you think? So, um, starting on the, the gustafson uh, Boquist thing, um, and I may pivot um, from this into talking about that last goal. Um, so, you know, one thing you – and I – I am far from an Eric Gustafson apologist. In fact, I, I may be the only person on the planet who hates him more than you do. However, Gustafson, when he started to get regular ice time with this team, the team's power play got a lot better. And he really is the only thing that they have approaching a power play quarterback on this team presently. Um, it, the, unfortunately, he also has to skate a regular shift five on five, um, you know, as part of that. And that's that's where the problems start. Um you know, Boquist bringing him up, I agree. I mean, he's he's probably better than than Gustafson offensively, but I just feel like with a kid like Boquist who's 170 pounds soaking wet, has had a couple of concussions. I I, I think I would err on the especially because of the, the ceiling that he has, which is high. I would err on the side of caution. Bring him along, let him get comfortable with pro hockey in the AHL, where it's a little harder for guys to catch him. Um, cause guys are going to try to hit him and they're going to, they're going to try and line him up on the boards and, and the speed level in the AHL is a little less than the NHL. That's a, a big differentiator. Um, so I, I, if this team's not winning the cup this year, I would again, keep him in the AHL until he's really ready. Then, you know, hopefully before the trade deadline this year, you, you'd get something for Gustafson at the deadline, plug Bokovist in and Bob's your uncle. That's, that's how I would approach it. I'm hoping that's how the Hawks are going to approach it because extending Gustafson is never going to be anything more than what he is. He, he struggles so hard um, to make smart decisions in terms of covering people. And I'm going to talk about that fifth goal now. So if you watch it, the goal scorer Goodrow was covered by Gustafson coming off the wall um, around the goal line and he gets between Gustafson and the goal. And now Gustafson's playing catch up. And Goodrow's going straight for the front of the net. Gustafson, instead of following him, um, and ends up picking up a defenseman who's pitching in along the boards, which I think that was a bad decision. I think he should have tried to stay with Goodrow and just do everything he could to stop him because Goodrow goes unmolested into the into the slot. Then Camp sees him. Camp is not covering anybody, so Camp starts to drop down to cover him, but it was too late. He gets the puck, he scores. The, it, as I understand Colton's system. It's a man-on-man system. The only guy who was manned up that I could see in that vicinity was Cuckoo, who had Thornton, and he put Thornton on his ass and then gave him another shot while he was down. 
basically you're you're not getting in this play. So he was doing his job. The the thing with Gustafson is okay, you know, guys are going to get beat sometimes, and that's fine. But the the way that he just jumped off of his guy who had gotten between him and the net and goes on to the defenseman, I just I can't. That's not man to man. That's more like a zone type of thing, where where he's covering the, anybody who's in his area, and you just see that so often with Gustafson. But it comes back then to Colleton. If if your guys aren't playing the system, then you got to sit them down and get somebody else out there who can play the system. Um, you know, again, even though Gustafson's the only guy who can run your power play, figure it out. I mean, you know, maybe you, you cut back his minutes five on five. I don't know. Um, but you just see this so often with these guys looking around for somebody to cover and not covering anybody. And yet they're supposed to, each guy's supposed to have man responsibility. So I don't, you know, I'm sure there are nuances of this defense I don't understand. And I'm, I'm fully willing to admit that. But common sense tells me it's not working. And then so, you know. Is it the players or is it the coach in the system? I don't know. I mean, I like Colton. I want to see him succeed. I really do. But this defensive system so far with the, with the personnel they have is not working. And the evidence is in shot totals every night and, you know, um, goal totals in the first two games this year anyway. I mean, it's early. they got to get Dehan in there, see what he can do. Um, and so I wouldn't panic yet. I mean, because Dehan may, in fact, be the best five-on-five five defenseman they have when he's healthy. Um so we just have to see. But but right now, it's very discouraging because it's a lot of the same crap from last year. Well, yeah, and also, you have to take into account that this team was not so good with Joel Quenville in his system either last year. <laughs> true. That's they were true. bad then, and Colleton took over, and they just continued to be bad. So, you know, it's pointing a lot more towards the player personnel kind of thing. And then you yeah. got to, then you got to stare down Stan Bowman and you're like, listen, listen up here, buddy. You, you, we've changed some players. They've changed coaches. What's next? Uh, I, I've been very happy with, you know, the moves that Stan made, but it, they don't seem to be helping. Unfortunately, I thought the defense was going to look better with, you know, Ali Mata and uh, Calvin DeHaan, two defensive type defensemen. Uh, in the lineup now Dehan, of course like you said is still hurt but i'm sorry uh you could bring up calvin Dehan all you want and i brought this up in a in a you know our rink chat calvin Dehan, unless he's you know even if he was larry robinson in his prime <laughs> and you threw him out there he's not fixing this defense it's not just going to magically start working because calvin Dehan's on the ice calvin yeah, DeHaan, yeah. calvin Dehan is going to take over slater cuckoo's uh, 12 minutes or, or 14 minutes a night. He's not going to go out there and play 30 minutes and dominate opposing teams. No, he's not that kind of player. But, you know, it, it means it means probably not just Cuckoo, but it, it may also be Dehan will eat up some of those five-on-five five minutes that Gustafson's having. Um, you know, he'll play more on the power play, or excuse me, the penalty kill. Um, so there could be a little bit of a – there's always a domino effect when you insert a guy who's, who helps on defense. Because it, it takes pressure off some of the other guys and situational pressure off the team, um, so I am not. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. He's he's not, you know, the second coming of Nicholas Jalmerson or Larry Robinson or somebody or you know Anton Volchenkov or somebody like that. But he's he's certainly solid and responsible defensively. That's his calling card. And and um, you know, assuming he's healthy, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, he could help and. You know, it's also early. Mataz knew. Uh, I thought he looked pretty good last night, actually, at times. Um, they blocked 18 shots last night, which is 
I haven't seen the Corsi, but I got to think with the overall shots on um, and then the, the block shots. Wow. You know, um, uh, you got to think that the, the Corsi for San Jose was pretty good. I don't know. I haven't seen it, but um, you know, it's, it's, I just want to see, I want to give it a little more time with the new guys in there and especially with Dahan in the lineup and, and they get that settled and get guys in the right roles that they envisioned before, you know, sounding the alarm, you know, for, for the whole season. And yet, I mean, it's not good. It's concerning, but it's probably too early to say it's, it's, it's still broken. We don't know yet. Well, it's, it's still a work in progress, I guess we could say. Yeah. But, yeah. But at this point, Trash times a million. That, that's how I feel about that. Ray, what do you think? <laughs> Where to start? Uh, I, I think, you know, JJ, you're talking a, a little bit about, uh, you know, Slater Cuckoo on that play and, and being physical with, with Joe Thornton. And, you know, my understanding is, you know, man to man, you've got to be physical. I mean, the days of clutch and grab and stuff like that, obviously, is by the wayside, but you've got to be able to be physical with the, the guy that you are defending. And if you are, helping out and, and communication and stuff like that. The Hawks just mm-hmm. aren't built that way. The Hawks aren't built to be physical. They're built, mm-hmm. they're built to be the complete opposite of that. So I think a lot of it has to do with just the personnel is not there for the type of defense that he wants to play. But then you kind of sit back and you think, is that personnel, like you said, you know, Coach Q struggled a little bit more. I mean, he, he didn't quite have this team <laughs> at the beginning of last season, if, if we remember the Manning and, and, and all those guys. Uh, but you, you think back to – you know, boy, you, you bring in this team, and even if it was the system, maybe it's the talent. You've got some guys like Keith and Seabrook that can't take on those 25, 30 minutes anymore like they used to. You don't have that Nicholas Jalmerson. So, uh, you know, it starts to fall on guys like Dehan and Mata. And, uh, you know, we start talking about, hey, was losing Carl Dahlstrom an issue? No, it really shouldn't be. It really no. couldn't even be a conversation. But it's starting to fall that way where then you start to think, are we in the middle of a rebuild and nobody is just willing to accept it? Um, and, and it's broken down and, and kind of built back up, even though you've got a Kane or you got a Taves who just came off a, a year, um, you know, you're, you're kind of stuck in the middle. So, but for me, the, the physical, physical side, um, is going to be better with, with a moderate Dahan than it is over maybe some guys that aren't veterans, you know, Oakley's or something like that, who needs some time, has to grow into his body and stuff. But, um, you know, I, I still question the personnel over the system more than it is but even though the, the personnel may not <laughs> fit the system that they're playing so uh, but that's my biggest thing and and moving into Gus he's just going to keep racking up the points he sees dollar signs he sees he's going to get paid this is his only chance if he scores 82 points but doesn't play a lick of defense he knows somebody's going to pay him and I just hope it's not in Chicago but he is trash <laughs> you know speaking of uh Kubler- uh, an extended deal in Chicago uh, that would that I would lose sleep over that. Yeah, I would too. Yep, me too. You I, um, you you brought up the John. You brought up the Corsi the the possession numbers of yesterday's game, and I'm yeah. looking at them right now. Uh, in the fir- in the first period, the Blackhawks had some pretty good uh, possession numbers. They had pos- they had positive possession numbers, just barely, but they got over. They got, they're over the fifty percent mark. In the second and third period, their Corsis and their Fenwicks uh, were both. 35% or lower. Ooh. They were in the third, their Corsi in the third period was 19%. Oh yeah. Dude. The sharks had 80% Corsi in the third period. Like yeah. you're not winning a game when your third period, you know, the, 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 the opposing team who's visitor, you're in your home rink and your home opener and you give up 80%, 
you know, possession numbers, or uh, actually it would have been 81%. It's five, it's just below uh, 81% in the third period for the uh, Sharks. And that's yeah. even with Crawford. I know we touched base a little bit about him and, you know, he doesn't look sharp. Um, you know, he doesn't look like he's on his game. I mean, obviously he's, he's getting older. We all know about the issues, you know, with health, but he just has that non he doesn't look confident. You know, he, he, he's, he's somebody that looks, <laughs> I, I like to say, looks like he's got Crisco on his pads. You know, he, he overslides, he gets into extra trouble. He's trying to do too much because he knows he's got to make up for some of the stuff that's happening in front of him, as opposed to just being that calm collective crow that we've seen before. So you could kind of see, you've seen, we've watched enough games of him to see that he's not on top of his game, but then, you know, is he trying to do too much as well? Yeah. I don't, yeah, Crawford, I thought, gave up a couple of rebounds he shouldn't have. Um, I think it was on the fourth goal especially. It was not an easy shot to handle. It looked like it was deflected a little bit, but it hit him in the pads, and he, he didn't you know, he didn't cover it, and the guy picked up the rebound and banged it home. So I wouldn't definitely would not put the loss on Crawford by any means, but I also feel like the first two games, anyway, he hasn't really looked sharp and on top of his game. Um, and I'm kind of wondering, I think as a lot of people are, what the, what the, the plan is as far as Leonard and rotating him in, um, or is it basically Crawford's net to lose? And, and, you know, Leonard's been brought in as, as a fairly expensive insurance policy. Um, I don't know. Cause and then it gets that, that other issue of, you know, extending a then 35 year old goalie with a concussion history, serious concussion history. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, did you bring Leonard in to, to be the heir apparent or did, did you just bring him in on a, a one-year trial and you're not liking what you see so far? I, I don't, I, I'm not, I, it'll be, I mean, we know Leonard's probably going to play tomorrow night. Um, I don't know if they've actually officially named him, but I would assume he's going to play and uh, uh, you know, we're going to have to kind of see how that goes. Yeah. I'm glad you kind of brought that up. Cause I had, a, I was having a text uh, rant this morning with uh, our friend, Patrick judge from demon hunter. Uh, he had seen the game and he was, you know, asking for my opinions on it and stuff. And I, I just said that, you know, we love Crawford. That's great. You know, but he uh, missed the majority of the last two seasons. He's going to be 35 years old on New Year's Eve. Uh, if anyone thinks that the Blackhawks need to go out and extend that guy for anything more than a low dollar backup position, they have concussion issues in CTE because that's just nonsense. And that's garbage. Uh, you have... A, a goalie who had an excellent year last year, be it behind a good, def, you know, better defense, but he's a younger goalie. Uh, he, he comes with a pretty decent pedigree. You know he can perform, and you sign him to a five million dollar deal, and you're just going to sit him there to to be a backup, and then you're going to let him go at the end of the year, and you're going to assume that Colin Delia and Corey Crawford is going to usher this next wave of Chicago Blackhawks to the Stanley Cup. That's not happening. Sorry, it's not happening. That's delusional right there. You have to, you, and, and I heard this on probably, I think it was uh, uh, Merrick and uh, Merrick and uh, Frege, their podcast, where uh, they're, they, they picked out two players. One of them is Kevin LeBanc, who we saw last night, and the other one is Robin Lehner. They are convinced that both of those guys signed one year, you know, uh, short-term or low-dollar deals below their market value with the intention that there is a contract, an extension yeah. in, a, in a desk drawer somewhere 
that will be, you know, finalized at some point during this, the, during the season. And I, 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 there's no reason to think that, that it's anything otherwise. You well, have to sign, you have to, let me, Rod Lanner has to ahead. be the next guy. I'm sorry. So he let, has me, to be. let me take that a step further. Um, so you're the Hawks and you've, let's say you've done a deal like that, which all things considered, and especially the way this deal materialized out of nowhere, the first day of free, free agency, um, if you've done the deal like that and you've got that, you know, not winking and not agreement with Leonard and his agent, which is quite possible, then what are you going to do with Crawford? Because um, if I'm the GM, what I want to do is I want to go to Crawford before the trade deadline and say, Corey, we love you. You've had a great run here. We're not winning a cup this year, but we want to give you a chance to have one more shot at a cup. Tell us, you know, where you'd like to go. And we're going to get what we can for you at the trade deadline. And if that's the case, then that might explain why they will give him some extended PT first part of the season to to, for, to get him close to or at the top of his game and and amp that trade value that they would get before the trade deadline. Because the other the other option is is you're going to hold on to him and get nothing for him um, in July. I really think that that's what's going to end up happening, but I'm, I'm with you. I agree with you on that point. You know, try to get right something for him. And Ray and I were kind of talking about this in the pre-chat, uh, uh, basically let him go. Ray kind of, you had, you had, a kind of a, uh, an idea about, you know, what Crawford could do in the future. What was that about? You're gonna to have to remind me. Oh, you were saying you were saying you know let them go or whatever, even if they don't oh, trade them. Oh, I got you. Let them go, you. sign in Montreal or something like that. Play yeah, it, you know, play Montreal, finish out his career somewhere like that. And you know, JJ, kind of what you were thinking before the season. I thought, boy, if he went 50 games, 30 games, with you know, Leonard's playing 50, Crow's playing 30, and you got yourself in a playoff contention, great. You got yourself a, a future number one. If it's 50-30, Crow, prove me wrong. You, you know, if, if you go out and play great games and you could turn that into a 40-40 even split, you deserve that time. Or you outperform Leonard, you know, anything along those lines. And, and he proves not to, to earn that time. But, you know, if you get to that trade deadline and somebody's looking to, to finish up, it may not necessarily be Montreal because we all know who's there. But, right. uh, you know, if it's going to Ottawa, if it's going somewhere that – um, you know, hey, you, like you said, you could finish out your career and 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 pick a year or two and and chase a Stanley Cup, and it do, it doesn't matter about the money anymore. But right. <laughs> to me, I I always thought that was kind of the plan. Once I saw Leonard on early in in free agency, I thought that was Boom, the plan. Nailed it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. it Although you had to remind me what my plan. Was. Yeah, sorry about that. I I, I didn't mean to put yeah. you on the spot, but it was a good point, and I wanted to bring it up. I have a lot of plans in, in the air. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, that, that kind of brings in, you know, I was going to bring that talking point of is Lanner going to get an honest shot? And um, I'm afraid he won't. And he's going to get frustrated. And then he's going to say, screw you guys. And, you know, go to free agency next year and, you know, end up somewhere else. And then the Blackhawks are, you know, uh, basically standing there with their junk in their hands. Hey, phrasing. And, you know, with, with, uh, you know, the, the remnants of, uh, you know, Corey Crawford and Calendelia, which we all love Calendelia, but I don't know the Calendelia is going to necessarily be, you know, that Corey Crawford level, uh, and, uh, you know, goalie, not all goalies are, I think he could be a solid NHL goalie, but I don't know that he's going to be that elite goalie. So then, then, then they're, they're stuck with another year where they got to go figure out what they're going to do 
uh, with without Laner uh, and without Corey Crawford and only Colin Delia and Matt Tompkins and uh, you know Kevin yeah. Lankin in the system. That's not yeah making me feel very comfortable at all. I think I still think that Leonard's here because they're they're planning on having him here long term, and I think the only way that changes is if and I, I don't think it matters how Crawford plays. I think they know if Crawford's healthy at age thirty four, they know how he can play. I don't think that's that's really what it is. What it's about is is I think the only way Leonard's not here next year is like you said if if they if they just do a horrible job of managing that tandem situation, or there's something that they that they discern in Leonard um, vis-a-vis his his emotional issues that you know ostensibly are in the past. Um, you know the, then there may be something there. They go, Ooh, you know what? We don't we don't want to take a risk on this. But the but it's it's almost a separate issue. Crawford's going to be 35. He's got a recent and repeated series of of, of concussions, um, and chances are, even in spite of that, somebody's going to want to. You know, there's going to be a market for him in July, and if if he's healthy, if he stays healthy this year, there's going to be a market for him. And do the Hawks want to be the high bidder in that, or you know, do the Hawks want to you know transition to a new number one, which is why Leonard is here. Um, and so I, I, I feel like, you know, I don't think the, I, I think the Hawks went into this with a plan, um, as to how to approach this. And I, I feel like, um, that plan precludes them then mismanaging it. I mean, they've got to be communicating with Leonard. They've, they've got to be letting him know, look, here's, here's what we're doing. Here's why you're, why you're playing and he's not, or, or he's playing and you're not, um, if not, it's, it's, it's basically a wasted $5 million because you, you could have just gone with Delia again yeah. to play 20 games. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, cause they're not, they're not winning. They're not going to the Stanley cup. So this whole one, two punch thing that they came out with when they signed Leonard, I mean, my bullshit meter was buried in the red because they're not, they're not winning a cup. So why do you need a $5 million backup? Yeah, I, I completely agree. There's no need yeah. for it. I, and and maybe that wasn't the original plan on July 1st, but when, when Robin Lehner became available, your plans changed. Right. Could be. You know, it, they had to change. It just has to. I mean, sometimes, yeah. you know, you get thrown a curveball, and this was a good curveball. This was a hanging curveball. Right. You know, and they have to knock it out of the park and tr- and do it correctly. Don't, and don't, they, stop, they stop playing favorites with Corey Crawford. He did what he did. He, that was great. But, you know, we're two, three years from them being in the playoffs or four years from them actually really winning a playoff game. Like, that that's over. Like, let's go. Let's move on to the next the, the next thing here. And, and with all that said, Robin Lehner isn't fixing this team this year either. So if you start right. Robin Lehner for, for the next 40 games, right. he's not going to fix this team. He may hold you in games a little longer, possibly. But I, he's not gonna. He's not taking this team to the Stanley Cup. Right. No goal right. is. Right. You know, it's there's too many holes right now. You know, they'll be lucky if they make you know the wild card, last wild card, especially since this division or their division is such a buzzsaw of teams. Right. Dallas and, and St. Louis and Colorado and uh, you know maybe maybe Winnipeg pulls it together and starts playing well again. And uh, you know, well, I have no confidence in Minnesota, but. You know, right now I think that, you know, it's just this team is not going to the Stanley Cup. Stop. You know, teams take steps. Not every team is going to compete for the Stanley Cup every year, and this Blackhawks team is not going to compete for the Stanley Cup this year. 
they're just not that good. Nah. So, so um, with, with that being said, there is there's something I actually left off the the, uh, the outline that I, I do want to bring up. But first, I kind of want to talk about Brennan Perlini. Now, we're arguing, you know, if we're arguing or talking about Brendan Perlini, then things must be great, right? No, they're not. Uh, Brendan Perlini, I don't understand the Brendan Perlini situation. Uh, they made this big deal that they had to resign him. They, uh, you know, made a move money around to sign him. There was this very contentious contract negotiation, you know, hullabaloo about. Brendan Perlini signing what he did, which is basically, a, you know, almost a league minimum contract, kind of. And uh, they bring him in to sit on the bench or sit in the, actually sit and eat shrimp cocktail up in the press box. Why? Why didn't you just let him go? If you don't want him, if you don't want to play him, you don't like him, that's fine. I get that. Then don't sign him. Why is he eating up a contract? to just sit on the bench. And why did we make such a big deal about it? You're going to tell me there's some guy in Rockford who can't sit and eat shrimp cocktail in the press box and, you know, occasionally fill in for when, you know, Alex Nylander uh, melts under pressure or, you know, one of the guys on the fourth line or, you know, Drake Kajula can't make it for a night. I, I would say that there's probably a couple guys who could. So what is going on with this Perlini situation? Do you guys have any, I'll start with you, Ray. What do you think? I think they see a speed scoring combo that they hope kind of clicks, but I didn't get the signing. I didn't get why it took so long. And then you just, I mean, I, I know how the off season kind of, kind of goes a little bit, obviously, but um, it just seemed odd that they waited to the last minute and then got the deal done the way they got it done. Um, you, you look at some film, you look, you watch them and, and when he's playing confidently and you see a guy with speed to put the puck in the net, but then you look at everything else and you think, you know, is that really what this team needed? You know, could you not get that out of a Quinville or a Highmore or <laughs> I don't even know, Graham, Graham not to keep uh, some of the people happy here at the <laughs> ring. So you know, I mean, it, it's something that mm. it's it's confusing. And like you said, it, it it's a it's a roster spot that could be maybe used for somebody that you see as a future guy, somebody that maybe you could get in that top line, second line, couple of shifts, see if you could play with high talented players. Um, but still play them on the third and fourth line and, and see what you have. Um, so it, it to me, I, I think they look at the value and go, okay, hey, if we can get something out of this, I'm not, I don't even remember what it was, 800 and something. Um, you know, if we get some value out of this, great. If he scores 10, 15 goals, great. But I don't think Carlton trusts him. I, I don't. I mean, it just seems like something that he's always been somebody that was at the bottom of ice time. He just wasn't playing. And then you get you get this contract, and you hope you get a little bit of value out of it. But like you said, you definitely could have been somebody that you saw as a as a future Blackhawk, and and he's not one of them. John, you got any Perlini notes? Um, I think that they are, you know, because it feels like you know when you when you have this conversation about Perlini and and his role, inevitably you bring up guys like. Um, uh, Nylander, uh, you know, why is Nylander getting the ice time that he's getting and the opportunities he's getting and Perlini's not playing. I personally, I think that they're, they're look trying to figure out what they have with Nylander. You know, is this a guy who needs to be on the first line down in Rockford or is this a guy who can actually help them this year? Or, you know, is his development going to be better in Chicago versus in Rockford? 
Um, and I think while they're figuring that out, Perlini is the guy who's who's sitting because, you know, uh, Colton probably has more Q DNA than a lot of us realize. And the guys like the Zach Smiths and the Carpenters um, and the Shaws, they're going to play, you know, because they're the veterans that they brought in to add toughness, um, you know, to to, you know, improve the, the play around the net, improve faceoffs, et cetera. Um, I don't know how many draws Carpenter and Smith took last night, but they both had, had good faceoff percentages. Um, so, I mean, point is, I think that Perlini's going to play. I think, I think that they, they signed him and they brought him back for a reason. Um, but I think they're, they're trying to sort of figure some, some other stuff out right now. Um, I think it's going to be real interesting to see what happens with Nylander. I, I watched him real closely last night. And I mean, the things that, that jump out at me is, um, he's got good instincts. He recognizes plays really quickly and he can really skate. And handle the puck too. I mean, I mean, he's, he's got ability that jumps out. I think the 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 question is is you know becoming a, a complete pro player and doing all the things in in all situations every shift because you know you could you could see him getting on the wrong side of the puck sometimes et cetera et cetera um, that um, probably you know frustrate Colton um, and so it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him and where they where they end up sliding. I think Kubalik. Is, is making the case he's an NHL player and um, you know, he's, he's going to be part of the mix. And so, and the, like I said, the veterans, unless one of them gets hurt, those guys are going to be out there too. So um, I think the Perlini thing is largely tied to, you know, is Nylander and what happens with Nylander. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah. That Nylander thing. I don't know. And I, like I said, uh, while, you know, he hasn't really totally jumped out and, and impressed me greatly. Uh, I don't know that I saw something that made me think that he had to go from playing on the first line to not playing at all by the third period. Something. Probably. I, I mean, Carlton saw something, but I didn't see it. Um, I don't, how you sour on a guy that you put on the first line that fast. I mean, it's like shades of Victor Stahlberg only worse. <laughs> well, you know, it could also be that Carlton just wanted to double shift Kane and Nylander being, the youngest and most mistake-prone player was the was the the casualty. That's you know it just could be a numbers game. Same thing with Perlini. Yeah, I don't. I'm trying to look at the stats. I don't know if Perlini even did he play in the preseason. He doesn't show up on the remember. stat sheets. I don't. I mean, he's he played two games. Sorry, there it is. He had, he played two games and had an assist. So he did play in the preseason, but not much. Um, yeah, I don't know. It. it you know, I, I I don't want to be, you know, spending a ton of time on, on, on Brendan Perlini, but it just doesn't seem to make a lot of sense to me. Like, it, it seems like Colleton doesn't really like him. So why is he here? That's that's my bottom line here. You know, get, you know, have Colleton put someone in there that he likes. That, that That's it, you know? So anyway, but the, the Nylander thing, um, and you brought up uh, Kubalik, which is, uh, you know, something positive that I want to... I like what I see out of Kubalik. Um, I like that he shoots the puck. He's not afraid. He, he has, he's never met a shot he didn't like. He loves to shoot the puck, and that's fine, because you need some snipers out there. And uh, he looked pretty good yesterday. He found... Eric brought up in our private chat that, you know, he found a nice soft spot, a la what kind of Debrinket does sometimes. We found that soft spot, was able to kind of fade outside, find, you know, that puck found a stick, and he was able to hit the net, you know? That's something that some guys, some other guys don't do. So, uh, 
it's you know if he could be a third line uh you know a third line sniper or sometimes you move him up to the first line i thought he played he looked like he had good chemistry with uh brandon sod uh i don't know if camp really fits in that mix he may or may not he he may or he may be the you know the square peg or the uh you know the square peg in the round hole uh for that and you know kirby doc is going to make everything better which i don't think but uh you know, I, I League is something that looks good, and Nylander can look good if maybe you just hang in there a little bit. Uh, but uh, you're, when you're dumping young kids up and you know from the top of the lineup to the bottom of the lineup, you're, you know, you could cause some head problems, and I don't mean concussions. So, and we saw it with you know like Anton Forsberg and stuff like that. Like you know, some players can't handle that. And uh, I, I don't know that Alex Nylander can. I think uh, he's more of a, uh, he has more of a precious ego than maybe his brother uh, or his father. Uh, it kind of seems that way to me. And that if you bruise his ego, he turns into a powder and turns more into Nick Schmaltz, uh, a bad ver- a worse version of Nick Schmaltz than anything. But uh, this is, we're two games into the season. You know, it's not burn it down. It's not, they're going to get the first overall draft pick. Um, but, you need to see something uh, from this team that uh, you know is promising, and we're not seeing a ton of promising things, which is that's the unfortunate thing. Um, you got anything anything about Kubalik or anything like that? Um, I like the way he, uh, you know, he has a nose for soft open areas around the net and gets into them and gets a shooting position. <laughs> Because, man, that shot is something else. It really is. And uh, I like the chemistry uh, between he and Saad as well. I thought that, uh, you know, Saad, Saad recognizes his strengths and tries to get get the puck to him in, in you know, um, you know shooting position. And they had some luck last night with that. And, uh, you know, so if, if Kubelik's game is, is lifting Saad up, that's a good thing too. Yeah, yeah. Well, an, another good year from Saad is something we could really use. Ray, you got anything? Yeah, I think uh... – he brings some well, – I mean, he's a goal scorer. I think he just brings that offensive sense, like you said, J.J. He's just at the right place at the right time. He could finish. Um, he could set up his players. I think he's got some decent speed that, that definitely plays out at, you know, the NHL level. So, <laughs> that uh, you know, not just at, in Europe or not just in the AHL. I mean, it plays out at the next level as well, at the highest level. So, I, I, I think he can definitely be somebody that is going to be a – if he can show consistency, he's going to be somebody that's going to be really good on this hockey team for a long time. Um, and, you know, you had mentioned David Camp. I just don't – I'm not drinking the Kool-Aid there. I, I'm not sure what he brings to the table. He's not winning draws. He's not Marcus Kruger number two. Um, you know, so – but if you could get, you know, Kubalik, you could get Saad, some type of chemistry there and, and consistency out of Kubalik, you definitely have something there. Right, yeah. Yeah. Um... Well, yeah, Camp really looks like a passenger on that line, and uh, he didn't. You're right, Ray. He didn't do really well in the faceoff dot last night either. So, um, you know that that kind of needs to be watched as well because if there is a potential with those guys, I mean, Brandon Brandon Sod's a, a pretty good NHL hockey player, and Kubli, this like I said, he's got some things that you can't coach, you know, and especially that shot. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's really something. And so, you know, the bottom line is especially with two guys like that, is you want another guy who can get people the puck. So, um, you know, maybe maybe that's an acquisition or, you know, maybe they tried Doc there. 
you know, I mean, it, it, you know, whatever. I mean, I like I said, I agree. I don't think he's he's part of the the plan, you know, long term this year. But I, you could try him and see because that that type of center who's got the instincts and the vision and and the the ability to get you know set guys up. I mean, that that could really be really a, a great weapon. And then then you've got three lines that can score. Yeah, and, I, and Saad, I know what, what part of the trade he was with and how we set the world on fire that we let the, the hometown kid leave. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. And, and what's his face? But don't even want to say his name. Um, but <laughs> hockey player. I mean, he, he brings a lot more than just, hey, he only had 55 points. Yeah, but he does so many little things good. He could do so many things um, that wins hockey games when you yeah. have the players around him. And, and if you put him on a line with the Kubelik and he has other talented hockey players, yeah, he's not going to do it by himself. He's not going to be an 80-point guy. He's not going to score 50 goals. But he does so much more that if we got him back in a different trade, fans would be like, oh, thank heavens we got Sodden back. But you just got him at a time where it, it was for a different reason um, because of salary and stuff like that. But he does a lot of little things good. <laughs> he's a good he's a good national <laughs> the hockey league player so um but if he could get some chemistry there like you said you get a, another option in a, in a line that can score that that that's definitely a plus for the hawks moving forward that's for sure because he's still so young too yeah i i was going back to uh back and forth with uncle al about uh, the kirby doc thing and i just don't uh, I, I don't see a lot of positives in, in not just, you know, when he's healthy, just send him back to, to junior. He's behind the curve. He's a, a month behind all the rest of the players. Like, okay, maybe if you want to put him in for a game just to, you know, just to satiate the fan base, sure. But um, to think that he would be there for any more than a game or two, like, I don't think that makes any sense. Just send him right back. Send him send him back to junior. Let him sit there. And, and Al's like, well, he's got nothing left to prove. Neither does... Bone Byram, neither does you know Dylan Cousins. None of these guys that were in the first round have any, have much to prove left in junior. But that doesn't mean they're ready for the NHL either. And you Correct. bring him up there, you put him on the third line, he starts getting pounded. You know he, he's taking a serious concussion. What if he takes another serious concussion? Then you're you know how about you kind of babe him along a little bit because he's not going to take you to the Stanley Cup this year. That was my whole point on that. It's like you know you did it with Bolkvist last year. You you babied him. You know, you sent Brian Campbell to babysit him. Like, do that with Kirby Doc. Like, this guy is a, a higher, you know, supposed to be a, a, a more talented prospect than, you know, even Adam Boquist was. Uh, you know, why don't you baby, baby him along? I mean, Jonathan Tays went back to college. Did, you know, was did he have anything to prove? Probably not. He probably could have come right into the NHL, but he didn't. And that may have, you know, helped his career. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I err on the side of caution with, with, with high end prospects. Cause if you ruin them early, they're done for good. Uh, that, that, that's my whole opinion on the Kirby doc thing. I don't, I just don't think he's going to, he's not going to be, he's not going to be the guy this year. So no. No. anyway, it's almost, you see him on Monday. How you feeling Kirby? I'm you know doing better. Okay. We'll talk next Monday. And, you know, okay. Hey, we'll talk next Monday. And then next thing you know, it's December. And you go, okay, hey, <laughs> let's get you back to the juniors. You're feeling better. You're 110%. We know, we know there's nothing going on in there. Let's get you some ice time. Let's get you, you know, playoff competition in, in your league, and we'll see you next year. Yeah, and, you, you know, if he gets his nine games, great. You know, if he doesn't get steamrolled by an NHL, or fantastic. That's even better. 
but he doesn't need to be here competing for ice time right now. This this team is not he's not the missing piece to a Stanley Cup and his development. Right. It's about clearing up, making sure that he's healthy and then hey, go 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 in some hockey games in the playoffs and at the division that you should be playing at the level you should be playing. Yeah, and and, and when Saskatoon's season is over, they can bring him back at the end of the year. Right. If you right. really want to see what you have in the guy. Right. That would probably be I I would think that would be the time when you should probably do it instead of forcing him into the lineup now just because the meatballs think that you should have you know chosen Bone Byram or or Alex Turcott or whatever the hell. Um, none of those guys are playing in the pros either, so. No, I, they shouldn't either. Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> right. You know, it, so anyway, that that was my point on that whole thing. Um, anyone else got anything, you know, as far as the Black Ops call they want to bring up or uh, want to discuss? Nope. Nope, nope. Cool. All right, we got a couple of questions. We'll hit the questions, then we'll get out of here. Um, Craig Carlson says, when they talk about the nine-game tryouts for the CHL prospects without burning a year off the contract, are they talking nine games played or nine games with the team? Uh, it's nine games played on NHL ice. It doesn't count for the AHL. So Adam Bolchrist can still slide. His contract can slide because if he doesn't play nine games in the NHL this year, which is kind of an unusual situation because if um, he was drafted out of the CHL, he would actually not be in Rockford. He would actually be back in London. So they got kind of a unique situation here. They can actually play him in the AHL and let his contract slide another year if they want. So that may be beneficial if you really don't think, you know, if you're going to really hang on to Eric Gustafson and you really got all these other guys out there, it may be beneficial to not play him for more than nine games in the NHL. Uh, anyone want to add anything to that? Nope. Nope. Cool. Boomer GWC. So do you see the difference in the new improved defensive system? Kind of looks like the old busted defensive system from last year. I know, I know. It's been one and a half games or two games. Uh, but if uh, if now now's not the time to overreact when it is. Um, we kind of discussed that. I mean, it's kind of looks a lot of the same last year. I don't we don't know if it's this, you know, the systems they're not they're not uh, picking up the system or the system just doesn't work. Or it's a personnel thing. We can't really tell two games in. Um, anything else, guys? No. No? Ray? No? No. Okay. That, that's perfect. <laughs> it feels like game 83 and 84 of last year, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, it does. Yeah. Right now. Yeah, it does. Had a match to boom. Hey, it's only been a game in you know, two games, but it actually does feel like game 83 and 84. That's all I got. Yeah. And uh, Eric, our boy Eric Andrews, our uh, prospect guy, uh, how do you feel about each of the new players that have come to the team so far? Uh, Ali Mata, I'm okay with him. Um, Robin Lanner, we don't, excuse me, we don't really know because we haven't seen much of him. Uh, Zach Smith, he's okay. Ryan Carpenter, he's okay. They're fourth-line players. Andrew Shaw, he's back. Uh, I mean, great. It's great he's scoring goals, but he's we're already seeing the knucklehead side of uh, Andrew Shaw, uh, which can be infuriating at times. Uh, who else we got? Um, you know, Nylander, uh, we've talked about him. Kubalik, we've talked about him. Uh, up and down the lineup, I'm looking here. Uh, we haven't seen anything from DeHaan yet, so we're not really sure what we're going to get. Um, that's pretty much it. You yeah. guys, anyone? New guys? Uh, no, not really. I mean, um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, because they're, they're – you know, people. There are people who've criticized aspects of Carpenter's game. People have criticized aspects of Smith's game. That's playing elsewhere, not in Chicago yet. So, it'd be interesting to see. You know, over time. I mean, I don't think the fourth line 
has been the problem. I, I think that, uh, you know, I think I do think one thing to think about with this team is we tend to hyper-focus on the blue line as far as the team's defensive problems. But, uh, you know, the, the reality of it is, is it really is a five-man job to defend in the, NF, in the NHL. And I think that, you know, between Nylander, um, I, I, you know, Dylan Strom is, you know, glacially slow. Uh, DeBrinket's, you know, not the greatest defender in the world. I, I think we, we're going to, it's going to be interesting to see. And I think people should be looking at, you know, how are the forwards defending? Um, you know, are the forwards blowing any coverages? Are they playing Matador with, with, you know, defensemen, for example, coming into the zone and et cetera. So um, I, that's one thing I want to watch with this team. Cause I, I think that you've got a couple of really good defensive forwards on this team or a few really good defensive forwards. And then you got some guys, especially among the younger guys, who are not great defensively, and I, and I think that may be playing into what's happening as well, too. Yeah, I, I don't disagree that the forwards. You know, you get better. You get better forwards to come back and play defense. It doesn't definitely help the the defense. So uh, yeah, I was kind of hoping to see more of that with you know Carpenter and Jackson. Those guys, yeah. they haven't really shown much to me. They've just been kind of guys at this yeah. point. So. I mean, but they're a fourth line. Yeah. Let's debate fourth lines all day long. Yeah. Uh, you cool, Ray? Any, any, anything you got to add on uh, new players? No, the the fourth line. You get your forty-seven seconds. Get off the ice. Don't screw anything up. Win a draw. Right. Win a right. draw. Um, but they're they're definitely fit that role. You know, Sean first. Like you said, he's infuriating at times, and for as much as I don't think I'd, I'd probably be good friends with him if if if, <laughs> if we live next door to each other. Um, he's the type of player that they needed, though. They needed a little bit of that toughness, go to the net, be a little bit of a knucklehead while you're there. Don't cross that line. But um, you know, when you're fourth, if you're talking about the fourth line, uh, you know, you've got a lot of issues. Just get your eyes time, get off. Yeah, I, I pretty much. Wholeheartedly agree with that. Um, Doug Barger uh, sent in a question. Why would you take the only line that's working, dominating, and break it up? I understand that Neil fell off the planet, but why ruin uh, any something you have and not try to go back to it later? Um, yeah, I, I kind of questioned that too. Um, Kubalik and Saad and even Kampf, they looked like uh, they were dominating for the entire first period. Part of the reason why the Blackhawks' possession was so good in the first period. And then Colleton took Kubelik, moved him to the first line, moved Nylander down, and it kind of that kind of all just disappeared. So um, I think he was just tinkering at that point in time. It's early in the season. If you're going to tinker, tinker early. Um, I don't know that you know I'd necessarily agree either way, but you know that he he wanted to see what Kubelik can do do with the big dogs, and uh, apparently you know the. The um, the results weren't all that great, unfortunately, because their their possession numbers in the third period were just abysmal. So, anything you guys want to add anything to that? Nope, nope. Cool. Uh, last question, Brian Oakley. We know him pretty well, John. You do, I know. Yeah. Uh, Good guy. Last word on sports, I believe he writes it. Yeah. Yep. Um, when they abandon, when will they abandon the mana and man D scheme? How many more uncontested goals from the slot will it take? I honestly don't think that Jeremy Colleton is going to go away from his. He may adjust slightly, and yeah. that, we heard that that's what they did last year, or at least that was the rumor. Uh, he may adjust things if it's not working, but I don't think he's going to completely go away from it unless Jeremy Colleton is no longer the coach of the Chicago Blackhawks. That's my opinion. 
Yeah, I agree. I think they'll adjust, and they may have to. But I don't think he's gonna. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna walk away from him to adjust to his talent. I, that I don't know. It just doesn't imply that you've got a plan. Yeah, I, I think there's there's more than just system here. Calton's getting a lot of hate, and I don't know that it's necessarily all his fault. I think it may be personnel as well, and uh, you know it's starting to look like that some of and, 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 you know they brought in some new guys and and to try and fix things, but it may be some of the old guys hanging around that's actually what is uh, uh, you know causing the issue. Well, it's interesting. I was um, looking at the Twitters this morning before we get started, and there was a question there. And some, yeah, gosh, who was it who asked it? Um, I forget. But um, it was one of the, the regulars, and um, the question was, you know, when are when are we going to acknowledge that this is just a team where the where the the best players are on the downward side, and um, you know, this is truly a, a full on rebuild, even if they're not saying it, and. I think that, you know, watching the game last night, I mean, you know, Patrick Kane is still a really good player, but uh, the rest of the, the rest of the holdovers from the core of the, of the cup teams, all of those guys are on the downward side now, you know, except for maybe sod, but you know, Taves is probably not what he was five years ago. Not even probably definitely is not what he was five years ago. Keith is not Seabrook isn't Crawford isn't. And, um, you know, I think, I think, Fans, because I think that the organization is still peddling the idea that if we just put the right guys around these guys, we're gonna we're gonna be back. And the truth of the matter is, is that they're saddled with some big contracts on these guys. Um, you know, even if they were inclined to move them, they probably can't um, because of the the nature of the contracts. Um, certainly, that's the case with Seabrook. And I think that you know, the reality of it is, is that this really is a rebuild. Um, and and you know, these guys are not necessarily, you know, their, their leadership is valuable and what they can teach the younger guys. But then you got to make sure you're getting the, the right younger guys in there, number one. Um, and then, you know, number two, you know, at, at what point are these guys and their, their contracts just more of an albatross? Yeah. Yeah. The Seabrook thing is just, it's not even the money part of it anymore. It's just the fact that no one is going to, no one will take them off your hands. Right, and he's taking up a spot where they could maybe slide in a player that could help him a little more. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm sorry, all the all the people that that, that are going to toot this horn all year long. Bowen Byram, Stan Bowman screwed up by not getting Bowen Byram. No. Bowen Byram was not going to fix this team. They've got right. five other Bowen Byrams at varying levels on this team or in this organization. They got Ian Mitchell. They got all these other guys. Like, you know, it. it just stop. Not stop it. Just stop. Yeah. You know, that question came from Shawnee cash. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, I think I'm done ranting for the day. How about you guys? Done. Done. Ray, you got anything else you want to add to it? Nope. I'm done. Awesome. All right, cool. Well, let's wrap this, uh, nonsense up. Uh, I don't have any last plugs, but, uh, I just want to uh, reach out to the fans and say, Hey, you know what? Go out there. Uh, Rate and review the podcast, please. We would really appreciate that. That's how you could help us out the most. Uh, it gets us up the charts. More people see us. There is a sea of podcasts out there now all of a sudden. Seems like every Joe Schmo in their basement is a podcast. Um, and if you like what we do and you want us to move up the charts, you want us to be successful, and we want to be successful for you, we want it, we want it, we want it to be worth our time as well. Go out there, rate and review us, share with your friends, 
Um, yeah. You can you uh, I I created a whole new domain, theringcast.com that will take you to where you can you know find all the information on the ringcast. So www.theringcast.com. No dashes, no anything. Uh, I did that for the fans, so it's easy for you to find us. So go out and do that. But if you want to uh, read our writing, uh, our comp- all of our comprehensive content, which is Ray with the Chicago Steel, and uh, we have Mario, who you heard earlier, with the, the uh, Ice Hogs, and all of our other great uh, prospect writers and day-to-day recappers and uh, analysis, uh, please go to www.the-rink.com. Uh, if you want to sign up as a user, you can uh, correspond on our message boards. Yeah. Uh, we go in there. I try to, you know, Giuliani yesterday was posting gifts, uh, animated gifts from uh, all the goals. I was then reposting them in the, uh, you know, the game threads. So you can go in there and correspond. We can have good dialogue in there. So please do that. Uh, you can find us on all the popular social media at the rink official at the Rinkcast. I'm at puck and hostel. John is at Jekyll and our boy Ray is at hockey knapsack. Uh, he also, uh, shares a lot of Chicago Steel content. So if you're a Chicago Steel fan, make sure you're uh, following Ray because he's got in-depth Chicago Steel content uh, the entire season. So uh, we really enjoyed it last year, and, and they're, they're off to a good start this year. So uh, I talked about uh, you know all the other stuff. Go over to uh, puckhockey.com. Get yourself some, uh, some rink wear, uh, hats, shirts. It's starting to get cool out. So tomorrow that, uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, we could have a uh, wind chill in the 20s. So uh, there's these really nice flannels they have and hoodies that have the rink uh, logo on them. Uh, I I own them. John owns them as well. Some of our other writers own them. Uh, it's good stuff. I will stuff. be modeling them tonight at Nationwide Arena when the Columbus Blue Jackets host the Anaheim Ducks. It is quality gear. I, I, I am not BSing you just because... You know, they're our founding sponsor. I mean, they're our founding sponsor because they have quality gear. So, uh, well, they're good people too. Yeah, they are. They're great. Matt's a great guy. I mean, uh, yep. but I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm getting some of that anthrax gear one way or the other. So, it, that's some cool stuff. They have one with a goalie mask on it. They have another one. I, I can't remember the name of the band. It escapes me, but um, it, it's a lesser known band, but the design on there with the goalie mask. Yeah. They have some goalie yeah. masks. It's really cool stuff. If you like yeah. wearing hockey gear, cool, unique, and it's unique. A little, yeah, it's, it's like a, it's a, it's it's a meld between you know heavy metal, hard rock, and hockey, which fits. It's right you know right down Main Street for us. Go out there and get yourself some. It's great stuff. Um, can't thank the guys you know the the people uh, Matt and his crew over there at, at Puck Hockey for you know hosting our our. Uh, store, but not only that, but bringing other great gear. There's still Marion Hosa gear. If you really miss Marion Hosa, and I've seen some tweets out there that say, you know, I miss Marion Hosa. We do too. I went out and bought a whole bunch of Marion Hosa stuff. I have, a, I have a hoodie. I have a hat. I have a shirt, a Marion Hosa shirt. Like, go out there and get yourself some Marion Hosa gear. They still have some. And it's on sale. It's like on clearance. You can yeah, get it cheap. Like crazy cheap. Yeah, yeah I have all that shit. Tough guy. Throw the rink, uh, you know, at checkout, and you can get 10% off of that. So what's better than some really cheap Marion Hosa gear, you know? So, all right. So that being said, um, thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedules to download, listen, and support us. Until next episode, see you on the rink.